Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on June the 8th, 2014. I seldom, if ever, really plan what I'm going to talk about because there's so much you can talk about and in one hour you can't say an awful lot on anything actually. And there's your problem. That's why you generally go to college and universities for higher education or more insight. And even that's a joke today because everything has changed dramatically for a myriad of reasons too. Apart from that, control factor is always involved in what's taught to, to, to youngsters to guarantee that what they are taught uh, brings about the, the, the culture and civilization for their particular future that masters have already uh, arranged for them to have. And professors themselves can go so far with, with certain topics. Many of them are quite happy to do what they're told and get their tenures and so on and talk a lot of nonsense and at the same time bring in the money and at the same time churn out the students uh, that the establishment feels happy with. So nothing is ever as it seems, and uh, so much the topics now in university are idealistic. They're idealistic topics, emotive topics, as opposed to really the practical topics or intellectual topics. And a lot of folk get disconcerted being in university and drop out because of those reasons, that something's left out, that they're not being fulfilled, and in fact they're being brainwashed, and that's really what they're trying to find out. Uh, that's the answer to it all. Eventually it clicks with them, maybe after they've left, and they find out what was wrong. Every generation is subject to its own particular time of existence. And they view the past in the same way. So the past is always colored by the present when you're looking backwards from the present point of view. And it's very difficult for people to understand how people lived in the past, apart from the TV dramas and so on, which are often completely fictitious uh, and, uh, and very... Uh, they, give, they give their own impressions, basically, of how things were. People in the past, before, the, say, the 1800s, uh, really were pretty static in their ways, in their views and opinions and so on. Before technology came in in a big way with uh, the revolutions of, uh, of, of machinery, you found that people lived in an agricultural society, basically. And for the majority of people in every country, that was their existence, living on the land, uh, being partly self-sufficient, sometimes completely self-sufficient, but also selling off portions uh, of their produce to the big cities, etc., or even to those around them, to little towns and so on. But most of the people really were in a class as peasants across the whole planet. And um, you find it's very difficult to, to imagine yourself uh, being a peasant uh, because we look back, as I say, from the present circumstances and try to put ourselves into the past. The peasants' needs was, were very little, uh, the forms of control of society were internal. By internal controls, I mean you were taught a hardcore religion, basically. Uh, that gave you all your, your reason for things happening, the way things were, uh, your existence, your very existence. Things were very simplistic, and education was at a minimal, if, if even present at all, for the peasantry. Uh, therefore, everything came from the church and the state, basically. So these were authorized systems from the top, of course, but the internal controls on the average individual meant very little crime, uh, even in his own communities, except for the, the occasional the psychopathic type that exists at all classes and levels of society. But most of the people knew the basic rules, the taboos, as they call them. And we find as once the big technology came in, the Industrial Revolution came in, and folk were crammed into cities, into inhumane conditions, religion started to go on the wane because it didn't answer uh, the terrible uh, circumstances the public had to live in for the first time, being crammed into these dirty, dirty buildings, inhumane conditions, uh, working conditions to 16 hours a day, uh, no compensation, no welfare, anything like that. If a man was sick, his wife had to take over his position in the mines, for instance, coal mines in Europe. And that went on right up into the, really at the beginning of the 20th century. So we, we really don't know what it was like to live back then. But what they did give them, too, uh, was a, a fixed system. That's when the, the, the specialists started to arise to find out how to control the public, basically, how to control them. 
they put out when, when they give them basic education, very basic minimalistic education, so they could even read instructions in the factories they worked in and so on. They were given the penny novels, things that kept them off, and uh, today it's replaced by television and movies and so on. But back then it was novels, very simplistic novels of heroism, things which they never get to see themselves or do, but they could imagine themselves in that position. You identify for a male with the, the, with the hero, and the, the, the women uh, identify with the with the, the heroine. So it's a very simplistic formula for keeping people into fantasy land where they can discuss it with their own peer group and and escape for a little while from their conditions that they're actually living in. So internal controls had to shift when an industrial revolution came in. And um, this is very important to understand how things have been changing ever since up to the present time. Uh, you find, too, that uh, obedience to authority was always stressed by uh, the, the, the state church. Whichever was the ruling church always stressed obedience to the state and to the authorities. This again began to wane in the 18th century, and you found revolutions breaking out too. Uh, when people started to complain, they formed groups, and they were just fed up with their lot. They weren't having it anymore, basically. So that's how things changed. We, we are still going through the, the, the system today of changes, and today there's a lot more scientific uh, psychology being used on the general population than ever before to try and keep restraints upon them. And that's where the, the changes, uh, you get both systems, you've got external changes working today, external control of the state, the threat of, of use of force against you, and you also have more and more internal controls how to be a good citizen. You're told what a good citizen is, basically. Because we are social creatures, it's easier to tell people through persuasive means, many of them that you're unaware of, or they're being used against you or to you or upon you, and you go along because you want to belong to a peer group, whatever it happens to be. Even the rebellious types for teenagers, the fashions are given to them, the, the, the language is always a language goes with a particular age group, so that they're the only ones who understand the in-group conversations, things like that. It's all given to them by the authorities who own the entertainment industry and the fashion industry, and so on. They all work together, and they always have, by the way. Uh, even the body piercing all came out with Hollywood showing the tattoos, body piercing and so on with the, with uh, characters in movies, knowing certain people would identify with them and go for it, especially a certain age group. It's, it's down to a perfect art today, in fact. You have no idea what goes on in Hollywood, for instance. You don't know uh, that at one time they did surveys. They still do surveys constantly uh, with, with their particular groups to, to that they have to, to come in. Uh, and they, they, they show them different clips of movies or sometimes whole movies and they ask them questions. But they also bring in the neuroscientists today who literally wire them up. They wire them up and uh, they'll show them clips from different uh, particular movies to find out what really uh, makes the person's mind jump all over inside their brain space to different parts of the brain, different kinds of movies, thrillers, uh, horrors, things like that. And they've all the brain. It's actually a fantastic way to map the brain. It's a very quick way it's through movies. In fact, your guard is down. Uh, you're not being questioned the same way by people. And um, they simply do it in real time. They monitor your brain waves in different parts of the brain in real time. And they know exactly what turns you on. They know the sexual centers, which you'll see sadomasochism in pretty well all the movies today to churn them out. Things like that, the dominance, uh, etc. Uh, and sadomasochism that really does work awfully, awfully easily upon most people. Taboos are broken, and the fantasy goes to the extreme. So uh, people get turned on with it because it's a basic instinct. The sexual uh, centers of the brain uh, create they have, they have a basic instinct. Therefore, they use that in you. Same with food too, of course, and ads. They wire you up for for for, the, for that too. And they can tell you uh, what really uh, makes your, your mouth water and what makes you uh, start concentrating on what you're seeing is the ice cream or what happens to be. Neuroscience is heavily involved in this. But when you take it out of that arena and you see it's all being used upon you, you get the same thing in social politics and various forms of indoctrination and persuasion especially. It's a perfect art today. Perfect. And these really create as I say, more of a passive control 
uh, where you conform, you conform to the peer group you identify with, uh, and the sect of of inside the group that you belong to or you want to belong to, and you have an external control to apply to you, although you're unaware that that's being done to you. You think it's all your own choices, of course. You're being the, the rebel or whatever it happens to be. But nothing is further from the truth. Very few folk today, very, very few, really have their own mind. And even there, it's almost impossible to completely have your own mind when you can never be assured of the actual true facts on, on any particular thing. That's how difficult this maze is because, uh, as I say, education in itself is, is a, a written-out format with psychologists, neuroscientists, uh, sociologists, all these different factors involved in it to make sure that you come out with the, the, the right opinions and, and the right ways of looking at things, the, the, the authorized ways of looking at things for the future. This ideology a way of creating ideology and, and basically conformity to even radical groups. That's conformity. You're, you're conforming to the ideology presented to you and obviously authorized from the top too because they don't, they don't ever, ever have any uh, unplanned revolts, believe you me. Uh, then you, you're going under a particular system that you think you're, you're uh, rebelling in, but you're allowed to rebel whether you like it or not or know it or not, in fact. And sometimes they'll let it go to a certain stage, like on campuses and things, and broadcast it even too. But that's all part of the, 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 the plan structure. They know it will never get out of hand, etc., etc. Sometimes they use uh, certain groups, they create them in fact, to do rebelling, even small terrorist acts. The 60s was full of terrorist acts, way more than today. Uh, and, and it's all the radical groups within, especially the U.S., that was the main uh, country to, to see this happening within. And the Marxist ideologies involved with this, some across Europe, the Bader-Meinhof group, these kind of ones too. But uh, that, that was all basically monitored from its start to its finish, basically, for those who don't know that. So I always warn people not to get involved in something because it's, it's an ideology uh, which you think is yours. Uh, oh, that's wrong. I agree with what that guy says, therefore I'll follow that guy. It's a very simplistic way of thinking. And believe you me, the guys that are put out for you to follow are, are, are coached on how to talk, how to put things across, the technique that's applied to their, their personality, and you'll often fall for it. A great thing for any group uh, follower to do is to listen to the term we. When, a, when the leader always says we are going to, we, we, us, us, they can't do that to us. When you start to stop, you, you're depersonalizing your, yourself and becoming part of the us or the we. Be very careful of that because it's a technique where often you have nothing really in common with the, the standard of living, the income, uh, the, the real ideals and plans of the person at the top. You have nothing at all in common, and they have nothing in common with you, except you're awfully useful to them. Uh, so we're very, very careful uh, how you're played. And people are played all the time, and politics or anything involved that seemingly is politics or political, be very, very careful. You'll find what was awfully popular to be used on the general public from the Industrial Revolution onwards into the, well into the 20th century, which is slacking off today, was the ideology of, of saving. And Benjamin Franklin was famous for putting out his little poor Richard stories and a penny saved, his penny earned, all these kind of things. It was always to do with the future, the future, the future. And people would, would invest in the future financially and otherwise too, always putting off the present for a better tomorrow. And of course, these ideologies too were used to the extreme with, say, Marxist tendencies in the so when you saw the Soviet Union come into being, where a whole collection of countries under the Soviet Union really were striving, supposedly, for a better tomorrow, uh, the workers' paradise. And they first, when they first took over, they flung themselves into it. The people flung themselves into this thinking for the first time it's our system, it's our countries, it's our 
decisions that are being put into force and effects for a better tomorrow and our children will reap the harvest and of course that simply wasn't happening but we're always used for this technique for a better tomorrow the west use it uh, still uses it today in fact for a better tomorrow the global society they'll even bring in things that appeal to your emotions again like uh uh, helping people across the world to, to, for their standard of living to be raised. And we know from experience that the big corporations at the very top of the tree, especially today, it's nothing but corporations interlocked, often with the same shareholders, dominant shareholders owning them all, uh, that use these third world countries uh, and to exploit them basically for minerals, their resources, and their very cheap labor. They've been doing that all through the 20th century into the present time, but now it's under the, the, the term of globalization. Oh, it's a wonderful thing to look forward to uh, with a global government one day and, and fairness and justice for all. All of the usual slogans are put out there, but the big boys at the top uh, have no intention of having any kind of equality in the world whatsoever, and that apparently is human nature. That is human nature. Human nature is so disregarded by idealists and those, especially the followers, that human nature won't allow that to happen. You have the power impulse that exists amongst many people. And again, in all classes, you'll find the power impulse. Those who know how to dominate others and bully them uh, or talk over them, yell at them, have them cowering to get what they want, things like that. Other ones are more intelligent and they can manipulate more easily the better psychopaths to use folk around them, of course. But the, tech, the techniques today are, are so perfected, so perfected, uh, that the public are completely unaware they're being used on them all the time. There's not a script comes out of television that isn't gone over many, many times by different groups within the agency putting them out and reviews and so on before you ever get the script read or, or, or shown to you. That's how delicate everything is today and perfected it is. So getting back to, to, to people, especially movements which try to use you, it's almost for some a better tomorrow. Some will go back to the past, especially in the U.S., where they had a brief period of prosperity for the working classes from the end of World War II, basically through the 50s and 60s into the 70s and, and drastically declining then on. A small brief period where for the first time they could afford to, a working class guy in factory could afford to buy a house. Mind you, everything was much cheaper, the dollar was worth more, but the way that the money system is set up constantly is devalued because it's backed by nothing but debt, as we well know. So inflation is built into the money system that, that we all are under, the same con, where money is loaned out to, to the U uh, through the governments or agencies of the government. And it's all based on debt, so it naturally inflates all the time. But putting things off till tomorrow for some some great utopia is nonsensical, absolutely nonsensical. It's never happened in history, and it never will happen in history, or the future history, I should say. Looking back, it won't happen. It just doesn't happen at all. You'll always get eternal optimists too. And remember too that all segments of society and all psychologies involved within society are incredibly well studied. And you will find leaders put out for, for that too. Eternal optimists that come out with, with um, their motivational courses, etc. Uh, they're always up. Don't, oh yeah, it's terrible right now, but it's going to be a lot better tomorrow. I guarantee it and so on. And they're never down, it appears, and people like to follow that, as they would often follow religion, you see. Same, same techniques are in play, in fact. A form of idealism for tomorrow, and, and it's not all that bad. But we find when, it, when we go through all of these changes, as I say, from the 1700s onwards, the internal controls that used to keep us going along with the system because we weren't being bashed over the head by military uh, butts or rifles and things like that, to keep us in line, the internal controls are starting to wear off again today. And you, when that happens, you find the militarization. This is standard in history. The militarization of the system within. And it takes many, many forms. It doesn't, it's not all uniforms. 
it's not all just government agencies. You also find it within compulsory moving for employees. If you want to keep this job, you've got to be moved from here to there, but they'll, they'll give you a little increase in, in your pay and it becomes worth it. That also comes under this big, big system of militarization. It's moving what is stable for you, uh, uniform for you, into something else for a reward of some other kind, or else you lose what you already have. You're actually being forced and coerced whether you like it or not, you see. No major change in societal structure is allowed unless it's forethought out in advance by big think tanks, many big think tanks. And everything certainly is minutely, in fact. Not just by one think tank, or say on one topic. They might have about a dozen think tanks working on that one topic. Then they compare all information, and then it goes for review and further review and an assessment and rewritten, etc., etc., until they get the plan that they want to deal with possible upcoming problems. And in the past, of course, they, they thought about revolution. Uh, that had to be nipped in the bud if it, if it was not under the control, that is. And uh, they decided for the West, for instance, to, to give them more materialistic goods, uh, um, which would offset their, their dissatisfaction with things were, that were happening in societal change around them, which involved them and, and affected them too. Because people were becoming dislocated in their minds as to their place in the world and their own little society and so on. Uh, things were changing so rapidly in the 20th century, especially in the latter half of the 20th century, that the big think tanks were heavily employed to keep the order uh, to be maintained by those already in rule. And I don't mean politicians. You feel your needs are being satisfied when you have more cheap things to buy, whether you like them or not. And, it, and again, what you want has nothing to do with what you need, of course. And if you ask people's opinions on what they want, it's, it's nothing to do. You'll find out with what they actually need, even for basic survival. So the, the fantasies, these things which are fantastical in a sense to do, is because they're, not, they're disassociated from survival, become of prime importance to them because it's being pushed towards them to stop them from being, being too dissatisfied and, and perhaps forming organizations that get to the bottom of things to find out what's really wrong. Therefore, everyone's happy. They're getting happy. They're getting their goods for, for cheap goods and so on. And uh, even if they're low down the pay scale, they can still afford their cell phone and all the rest of the stuff today, which is it's not thereby. It's not by chance, by the way. It's all planned that way. In the 19th century, into the 20th century, for instance, Britain was a, a fantastic country for studying people. The amount of experts involved from the top all through society to study people was enormous, still is today. Today it's easier with the internet because they get your instant data and they can keep tabs on you. But, but back then they had many different levels of specialists working on, on keeping order, maintaining order, and keeping the public willing to go and join the military in times of war, that, that type of thing. Uh, to ensure that they'd always win and the status quo would be maintained. But they had the wages uh, of, the, of the people and categorized in all different categories of society. And they knew how much you would need for a family of four, say, as an income, how much rent would be. It was often rent, not mortgages, because very few folk could really afford their houses. And especially in, in Scotland, say in Ireland, places like that. And uh, it was all council housing. And, and how much you'd spend, spend on food. But they always left enough over to make sure that, that the publicans, interesting term to publicans, meaning those who owned bars and pubs, they were licensed by the government uh, to operate. And they could go in there and uh, they'd have their escape for a while. They didn't have so much television years ago. And this was their escape, this social escape, where <clears throat> they can go in there and get half drunk or completely drunk and boast to their friends. Uh, to get get uh, affirmation of their existence in the way that they wanted, uh, always, always, always out of proportion with their reality and situation, of course, but that didn't matter. It worked awfully well. The Soviet Union, Union did the same thing, where the workers were kept happy uh, with, with very cheap vodka, which you could buy without standing in line, as you had to sometimes do for food outside of Moscow.
Now we're always under restraints, as I say, internal restraints, self-policing, they call it today, by the way, uh, where you have your taboos inserted upon you or into you. You internalize them and, you, and they'll work upon you, of course, too. And we think uh, we're free, but we're not really free because true freedom is freedom from restraints, you see. And of course you say, well, you can't have that. It'd be anarchy. Well, true, true freedom from restraints would mean that, that psychopaths could go and do what they wanted to do with impunity. So naturally there has to be some kind of restraint. But of course, any society, down to the so-called primitive societies, all have their, their, their taboos for restraints so they can function as a society. The problem in the West and with education and those in power is, it happens to be is because it's so perfected to, to give you different kinds of restraints for other purposes rather than to keep basic order. And it's to make sure uh, that you simply don't protest or, or turn against or even the system you're living up within. People think, for instance, that democracy is the end run of all movements. And those at the top who, who once even push it and use you to push it are liars. Because they've, they've studied all the courses at the very, very top. They've studied all the great historians in history and the philosophers in history. And they know that democracy is only one part, if we're always evolving in, in a societal way, that's only one stage we go through. I've gone through the different stages before, feudalism and, and so on. And now we're into a thing called democracy. And really it's already over with. It never really got off the ground to an extent, in fact. It, it, it helped internal restraints, self-policing for a long time, but now it's waning. And when it wanes, of course, they do know that militarization uh, occurs. And from the very top, they say it must occur. More militarization, for, for, for basically coercion to obedience of authority, all authorities, uh, to make you follow the line and, and behave. So, so fear makes you compromise and makes yourself please in the new fashion. Fear of being caught or accused of anything at all. And of course that was also perfected in the Soviet Union when so many spies were inserted amongst the populations in their streets and so on, listened to conversations and you get called up. Did you say this? Did you say that? That's taboo. Today we have all these things. There's so many things, topics you're not allowed to even talk about. It's not because the ones at the top care about particular segments of society that are being talked about or complained about. It's because they're teaching you uh, by all the means they can, by what seems to be, seems to be valid excuses, you see, for you to self-police what you say and what you think especially. It's all to do with changing how and what you're going to think about. In Pavlovian style, when you're told, don't think about that, don't talk about this or that, uh, don't even ask a question about this or that as a child, and children should ask all the questions they want, by the way, uh, when, you, when you can't, then it's for a different reason. There's something else behind the topic itself of, of the question. Now, militarization in itself happens when, as I say, the self-policing starts to fail. Things are wrong. They're obviously wrong. People are, today especially are really noticing the planned inflation or quantitative easing, as it's called by, say, the U.S. Federal Reserve, where all the top banks in the world actually are, are, are constantly uh, devaluating their currency. They're devaluing, they're devaluing it, the currency constantly, which makes you pay more and more paper money of whatever it happens to be for the same goods. It's quite simple. Everyone's noticing it. Therefore, you have the militarization aspect of conformity. Don't grouse too much. Uh, if you're grouse about things, you're anti-government. Another term that is taught in Pavlovian fashion to get you to respond and switch off in a, a specific way. Split, switch off from the topic. Don't complain about it. Obey, you see. And therefore, you don't have freedom. And you don't have self-policing just to the same extent. You have a form of self-policing, but you also have external controls as well of who's listening, who's talking, etc., uh, etc., who's complaining, who's reporting. You can see too how this works with expansionism of countries or states or nations. During their time of expansion in the past, when they were going out to do their empire building, there was more acceptance by the public because they had to be kept to an extent 
a bit happier than they had been before financially and otherwise to be patriotic, to go off and join the militaries and go off and fight various wars, which were completely unjust, of course, for they were conquering on behalf of those who wanted the riches within those countries, not for the people who fought the wars, actual sloggers and foot soldiers, etc., but uh, that, that changes. Once the expansionism is over and the patriotism dies down, then it's well understood that now you need a new technique to keep the people uh, stable, uh, obedient, and so on. And that's what I'm talking about right now, in fact, are these techniques being used today. They knew, for instance, that uh, as we went into expansionism, or expansionism eventually waned, which it, which it has done, Corporations, international corporations would have to keep expanding to keep a power elite in place. And therefore they came up with the idea of free trade. That was to be a thing of the future back in the early, uh, late 1800s, well documented from Britain especially. And through that technique, they would bring in a global society which would be ruled uh, in the same form that uh, they used to use militaries to do it. Now they would use simply commerce to do it, international corporations. You don't know that through free trade, your tax money is subsidizing the same big international corporations to build factories. We build them for them in third world countries. They get it basically for free, and the third world countries supply the cheap labor. Uh, and the, the, the minerals, etc., at a fraction of the price they can get it elsewhere. So everything works out for the established control. But they sell it to the general public as helping the poor and raising the standard of living, and so on and so on and so on. That's how things are sold to the public. Very simplistically, they, they appeal to your idealism and your natural humanitarian uh, aspects, and it works awfully well. But in reality... As I say, when, when, when military expansionism stops and conquering and the flag-waving stops, that's how they have to do it. And at the same time, they start giving you massive more quantities of cheap goods from these, these countries that are producing the things, as opposed to quality. In fact, quality constantly goes down and down and down, where to maximize profits, because this is the time of, of ultimate greed right now, this ever been to maximize the profits for the big shareholders in these corporations. They'll cut pennies every corner they can until things are almost non-functional in some cases. They definitely don't last long. The cars you drive might look nice and nice and, uh, if they're new, but they're, again, they're built to break down faster and faster, and lots of things happen within the car. Plastic deteriorates, things like that. There's even Volkswagens come out in the past that were biodegradable plastic in them, and they were falling apart before six months was out, literally crumbling to powder. So things are being made cheaper and cheaper, and we're buying junk that doesn't last long at all, and quantity uh, has replaced quality altogether. You can't go to university today without running into Marxism, which is taught openly, has been for an awful long time, all through the Cold War too because professors were brought in from Eastern Europe uh, and put into universities in preparation for all of that too, to make sure the right kind of student was churned out for the changes of the future. And Marx does not explain the causes of things at all. But today you can't go to university without whatever topic it is. You have to look at it from a Marxist point of view, uh, and so on and so on. You can't look at the past with today's ideologies. Through the, you, know, you can't do it. It can't be done. Therefore, if you do go through uh, that and you must look at it from this perspective or that perspective or whatever it happens to be, you get a totally false idea of the past. In the past, religion was, was, was still dominant because religion encompassed the basic values of human experience. And in religion, you internalize it and you examine it, of course, because we are human creatures. Science initially uh, used to say that they were not in conflict with religion, but of course they, they, they were, and they've become predominant now uh, in bashing religions, trying to say that everything is rational, when they themselves are not rational because their theories keep changing all the time. So power struggles go on within all the different professions and so on. One area which has been heavily discussed for a long time by the big think tanks employed by governments and those who run governments, the big private organizations comprised of the big industrialist corporations and international corporations that have their 
foundations, of course, that employ many of the guys who become politicians uh, and, and they uh, are, are sworn allegiance to the ones who first hired them, which is the, the big foundational organizations, you'll find that uh, they've been very concerned about, again, internal control, uh, because we're at an age today where, regardless of internal control, there's, there are too many dissatisfactions cropping up as you go through massive shifts between the old systems going up through society to eventually the nation state and now into the global society and the nation state. You become more disillusioned than ever, more disaffected than ever. You don't know who you are anymore, what you belong to. It's not pushed and you, everything really is very impersonal. That's the problem with it all. And so there are many, many groups forming, of course, trying to get something back. That's the first response the citizenry have, especially if they're starting to lose uh, what they used to have uh, personally, financial or otherwise. They want to go back to the past, and that will never be allowed. Never be allowed. And even by itself, it can't happen that way anyway. Because you need the total system of community and society to, to go along together. That could never happen. It can never happen today because we're not the 20th century the man anymore. We're not the 19th century man-woman anymore. But we've changed since then. And the whole world structure has changed and the economic system has changed. But in the past, they used to use, again, shock weaponry. They call it shock weaponry or from the, the, the ancient times of using clubs to spears to arrows, missiles and so on. All the way through the 20th century was missiles, projectiles and all that. A small force, heavily armed, could always keep the public in checked if they were let loose upon the public. And today, uh, the, even with the, the big internal controls, or, or I should say the big internal organizations, they've amassed in preparation for any meltdown of society through these changes, which they understand perfectly well. Uh, then uh, the, the, they'll meet all uh, resistance with overwhelming force, right down to domestic disputes. And we've had many examples in newspapers of that over over the years. This is a form of controlling. But even at that, it cannot totally be controlled by pure physical brute shock force. So therefore, they went heavily again into into other forms of control. Electronic control is a big, big, big one that uh, Brzezinski and others have talked about by using electrical pulses through the atmosphere, very cheap to produce, uh, which can control uh, the human mind to an extent, and definitely the mood. Uh, we find going way back to Tesla's time, for instance, he, he talked about sh- knocking out whole cities with pulses, pe- making people unconscious if need be, or even killing them. Uh, this has never been let go by the power elites who understand they have to have other measures of completely controlling society without destroying everything in the process. So therefore, uh, technotronic warfare, as it's called, is definitely in, in production today. It's been used to an extent through all the Wi-Fi, through the, through the um, cell phone towers, etc. I mean, you take the cell phone towers themselves. It's a network of antenna they can broadcast simultaneously in certain frequencies, regardless of all the cell calls they're taking and passing on information they're passing on. They can do that independently and, and create a particular atmosphere within the public, etc., etc. So therefore, that's why these forms of control, external control, are incredibly well financed. And there, there are surveys going on, going on all the time in various secretive departments of, of private agencies working with governments to find out the best way to control the populations uh, should anything occur that would break up society as we're through the big changes that are all planned, of course. Because the world is always in a stage of planning for the future, and uh, it's never discussed openly to the, to the public at all. You're kept entertained, you're kept distracted, your local AM radio shows and all across, on FM across nations uh, are simply devil's advocates where they give you emotional topics of, of local incidents and they, they, they come out as a devil's advocate knowing you've got, you're going to phone in and complain, oh no, I don't agree with that. And you get involved with emotive topics, but it's nothing to do with what's really happening to you on any large scale whatsoever. These are all carefully planned that way, not just for ratings. Society as it's stood from the 20th century to the present can't be static. It can't be that way forever. It's impossible. 
because we were raised basically on a form of competition. Everyone was taught at school to compete, compete, compete. And if you can compete and get to the top, you have a, a minority of winners and all the rest are losers. And the winners supposedly go into their government oppositions, as they did in the UK, for instance. Or they'd work for big in, uh, corporations. In the UK, they didn't stress, for instance, uh, private enterprise. That, that wasn't pushed in the schools because they already had the big boys controlling the big corporations. They didn't want other competition to come into it. So they taught most folk in the UK to become employees. And they could go up to a higher scale of, of income if you could join these big corporations as an accountant or economist or something like that. But uh, in, the U- in the U.S., uh, they, they stressed uh, competition, to, which would lead, hopefully, they thought, to, again, more private enterprise. And for a short time, they had a success as, again, a minority rose to the top, and they had the competition, and they had the, the corporations spring up very quickly. And once they sprung up, of course, the, the corporations by nature form um, cartels, and they keep the prices standard for themselves, and they don't want competition coming in, so they monopolize everything. That's the history, basically, of corporations. They always monopolize everything that they need to produce whatever it is they're producing. All areas of of production are monopolized. And that can't go on forever, obviously, and we're at a stagnant state today where all uh, up-and-coming corporations are simply appendages of the multinationals that already exist, and they're putting up uh, variations of their plants in different countries, but they're still owned by the corporations, the same corporations. So they decided they can't have any more competition. But competition itself destroys everything. It doesn't form friendships, competition. It creates envy and jealousies, etc. And at one time, going back to the Middle Ages, communities had to had to be self-sufficient. Any surplus they could trade with their neighbouring communities and things like that. Therefore, but they were not in competition with their, with the external communities until the businessmen got involved and started to use whole communities as their business. Basically, we found this with weavers and things like that. Guys would rise up; they get local backing, local governmental backing for authority, and they would take over and become the, 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 basically the public free enterprise system became theirs. They owned it, basically, and had everybody working for peanuts. That's the, the way of human nature, unfortunately. But it's very destructive. It can't go on forever. It's not meant to. And, of course, the boys at the top who study all of these things in society get word through their think tanks to their bosses, and they plan for the future so they can still maintain control uh, although sometimes it doesn't appear as though they're still in control to the public, but they're still in control, the same old families. Communities, though, have been destroyed. We see it, too, with the UN, the United Nations, pushing the formation of city-states, where they amalgamate all the communities around them into one huge, massive city. And once again, your identity, your, 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 your identity becomes depersonalized because you now belong to this massive thing that is sometimes the size of a small country. And uh, you, you really feel you imperson- everything's impersonalized. And you're, you're sort of drifting along in this, uh, you're nobody in, in this massive uh, system. And that has effects psychologically upon the people. Too many breakdowns occur to it. Others go to extremes trying to find something to belong to. And, and of course, they can be used too by the wrong people. Part of the problem too is the very effect that industrialization has. At one time, work was something you did naturally. Many cultures I've mentioned before, primitive cultures, have no word for work. You, you did it as a matter of your daily course of things, and work was a minimal to an extent, and pleasurable too. It was necessary, but you didn't really think of it as, as hard, hard labor. The industrial system and profits created a misery system for most folk, an inhumane system for sure, and we know that it also what goes along with it too is so-called labor-saving in the workforces. In other words, they, they bring in more mechanization, computerization, to get more profit out of things. But that, that profit also takes a lot of energy to produce through through the mechanization process, whichever fuel they're using, or electricity in itself as well. And people are left then with no work to do. Uh, they used to, because I say work is a necessary thing. 
and they have no function. Therefore, they're laid off, they're put on welfare, and the welfare system was created primarily to deal with this, the thing that would come down the road. We're, hit, we're at it today, of course, and um, because then you would reach this stage eventually. It also creates a very cheap workforce for the when you do need actual labour itself. Now, when it comes to government and human nature in itself, government uh, always expands. It doesn't matter what department is set up or its primary function is supposed to be. Once uh, it's set up and there are hierarchies involved in within the, 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 the structure or the sector department is set up, they want to expand, decrease their power. Power is their motive for being, not for the task that we're set out to do. Because everyone wants a better job, more money, more status for power's sake. Therefore, every department will, will expand. Because they go back to their top bosses, of course, eventually, and say, look, we've got all these responsibilities to take care of. Even if their responsibility when it's set up in the first place was one thing to look after, now they've taken over half a dozen or a couple of dozen functions, and they say it's, it's impossible for everything to continue without us. That's that's the way it always works. There's never a limitation put on anything to, to disband it after a certain time. Uh, they keep them in power and they expand like cancers and they become, again, uh, consumers. They consume our cash, our taxes, etc. And if they're all liable in this present setup. It's been here for a long time, actually. They're all liable to incredible corruption. They all are into, uh, have access to lobby groups continuously. Uh, the citizenry can't get into it, their national governments, to complain about something. But the lobbyists have instant access. And don't kid yourself that money and, and different favours don't change hands. They certainly do. Politicians are bought and paid for before they're even selected to get put in. They're well vetted by this establishment before you even hear their names. At one time, nations looked towards the U.S. Constitution is something to emulate, and they wish they had in their own countries. Because on paper, it looks fantastic. You have the three branches of government, and they're supposed to have eight aspects of sovereignty and all. Uh, but they don't, because the three branches don't stay within the limits of their own function. Each one goes around the basic tenets that were formed to, to handle, and they try to, again, get more and more power until things become dysfunctional as they're all competing with each other for power. And then you have a president who's looked upon more as an emperor in this modern day than an actual president, someone who presides over something. That's what it means to preside over a governmental parliamentary type system or congressional system. And that doesn't happen today. He's, he literally is involved in all the branches of government. And today you literally have rule by lawyers, basically, as opposed to the rule of law. The U.S. is supposed to be set up so that if the three branches of government couldn't agree on a particular policy or whatever, then it simply wasn't done. But now it goes to, to the Supreme Court and lawyers decide they have the final say in things, and that's not the way it was supposed to be set up at all. So lawyers, as I say, who again are under the sway of the big money boys at the top, are given their marching orders as to how to push for something, and they get what, they, what their masters want. So it makes a farce out of everything altogether. Another thing that makes a farce of government too, and constitutions, is that if the government does not have control over corporations and the money system entirely, the creation of it and so on, then it cannot be possibly be sovereign. In fact, the opposite is true. The corporations and the money boys own the government. That's how it really works in all countries in the Western world today. Most folk in the U.S. are kept blissfully ignorant of their past, their real past, their true past. In the 1820s, for instance, you'll find that uh, the U.S. states, the different states, uh, had uproar from the general populations over the corporations and what they were doing. And therefore they, they agreed uh, that corporations must have a charter to exist. And the charter was a limited charter to be reviewed for renewal, if, if it was going to be renewed at all, according to any benefit to society and the community they had, as opposed to the detrimental effects it'd have, uh, and so on. And uh, that's out the window today completely. Corporations are immortal. They live forever, basically. 
uh, and, and that's all wrong, regardless of, of what you think, because uh, the corporations have more sway in what you're eating, for instance. You don't know that most of the, what you're eating in the bread, uh, any fiber that exists at all, and that is taken from wood pulp today. And chemicals are added galore. It's all waste products as well. And most of the taste you get of what you think is food today it comes from chemical, the chemical industry. Many byproducts, again, are chemicals, and, and they're put in there to improve the taste quality. In other words, to create some kind of taste to make you think you're actually eating food. And folk have become accustomed to it, so they eat all the packaged foods and processed foods with all the different enhancers, flavor enhancers, they call them, added to them to make you think you're actually having something awfully good and nutritious. And in actual fact, it's often very poisonous and nourishment value is pretty well zero. Now, it doesn't matter how many restrictions you put on anything to do with uh, corporations or whatever. It all ends up being decided by lawyers, not by the actual law that's written. They'll reinterpret everything to suit themselves. Uh, Everything is always being reinterpreted by lawyers. All laws always are to suit the times, to suit the bosses that they, they were employed for by. And uh, it's a bit of a joke to even think of it as being something static whatsoever, some rule of law. Now, I always think about the motive topics, the way that they're pushed upon the public by repetition, of course. It works awfully well through advertising and slogans and so on. For you to accept all of the changes that have been decided by your betters, those way above you that you'll never ever hear of or never mind meet. And you don't know what's even happening to you. You go along with the quotations that the multicultural thing is all good. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. What I'm saying is the motive of pushing it on upon you is not because they want to help anybody anywhere, believe you me. It's to bring in the society that they want with a massive global workforce which is going to be awfully cheap down the road, of course. And it's also going to create some massive inequalities too. The time is really here where those who are working and earning a decent salary uh, are, are negated by the masses of unemployed people, people on welfare, people on governmental assistance because they can't afford to, to, to even survive. Uh, this is the brave new world that's been brought in, of course, and neuroscientists, behaviorists, psychologists, and again, two different techniques and even technotronic uh, techniques are being used upon the general population, along with all the massive authorized drugging of society through the authorized pharmacies, and the authorized doctors that are nothing more than, than pushers for the drug companies, all working together with what you think is your government or governments because they're not yours at all. It's all one big system. It's out of your control, out of your hands, and it's planned this way. It's not by chance, and it's not always for just for pure profit. Never fall for that one. I always laugh at Hollywood when it says, well, we're only reflecting society. Meanwhile, when you go and listen to the, the top people talking at the big, big uh, uh, shows that they have amongst themselves and the awards, they quite openly call themselves the culture creators. They're well aware of what their job is supposed to be. And they're all prostitutes because they go along with it. They have no social conscience. That's part of being a star. That's a quality you definitely need. So, as I say, we don't live in the projected image that's projected to us. Uh, a lot of people try to conform. They try to go along with the image that's pushed to them. But, of course, ends up you have neurosis and internal conflicts where you blame yourself for not being happy. But don't worry, here's a pharma to help that. That's all planned out that way. And if you don't have that, you have even what you think is the underground system of, of drugs, illicit drugs, etc., which are all controlled by the same boys at the top. You'll find, uh, for instance, a a lot of the illicit drugs are created in big pharmaceutical companies, Uh, like ecstasy and things like that. These are not little handmade pill things. These are perfectly formed, machine-made things that come out of big, big production units. So the boys have you trained one way or another that whatever's wrong with you, take a pill. They don't really care if it's illicit or, or authorized, you see. They're both technically authorized. That's why in the welfare systems and and societies too, uh, there's a certain restriction only by almost name by coming down on the occasional little street runner that's not authorized to sell them, where the big boys go totally free all the time.
we know that governments are heavily involved in bringing in these various drugs too, illicit drugs, etc., etc. We know that Afghanistan has the troops, our troops guarding the opium crops, and heroin is, is flourishing more than ever before today and being brought into the U.S. and Britain and elsewhere. There's been too many exposés in the past of the CIA bringing in this kind of stuff, and along with the cocaine from Latin America. Right up to the government level, we've heard the exposés in the past in the so-called inquiries that go nowhere when the Oliver North scandal came out with the, the guns for drugs and things like that, scandals like that. We tend to forget it all, but what it's showing you is that nothing is as it seems. Nothing is as it seems. But for those at the top, they're perfectly aware of what's happening, why it's happening, because they're generally behind it all. We're managed completely at all possible levels. Today with internet, you're monitored more than ever before. You've got your complete personality profile. They know your, your behavior, your projected behavior for the future. If you deviate from that, from that behavior, they want to know why immediately. And you'll tell them immediately by chatting to your friends and so on. Total Information Network is well underway. Well, it's, it's a permanent uh, uh, thing that's is here. It's not going to change. And it'll get worse and worse in fact. And then one day you'll get called in or get a visit when you deviate from your, from your routine norms. And they'll want to know why if, it's, if you're looking into an area that they don't quite want you to go into. They want to know why you're doing this. You, this, is, this is pre-crime basically. Or one day you might go into a, a, a radical sect or something like that. And uh, they're nipping you in the bud before it happens. This will definitely be authorised. And you'll be mandatorily drugged or whatever it happens to be and have psychiatric care uh, until you're, 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 you're formatted back to the person they want you to be, fit to live in the society that they've created for you. But I've rambled on tonight, as I say, off the top of my head, as I always do. And this is just to, to let you know that um, always question what's going on. Uh, don't be overwhelmed by things. Don't be caught up in the fear mode that's always pushed, because fear is a good seller for those who push it. Uh, always uh, be very, very careful who is trying to get into your head. Uh, and by whatever means you think you're, you're choosing that they're going to get into your head, it's often not your own choice at all. You're being fooled. Beware of those that say we, us, etc. Because are you really part of the we or the us? Who's using you? Think about it. Be very, very careful. Because there's only one you, and and the mind has no firewalls. You have to guard everything that comes into your own mind. And think about it, too. And no matter what you're told, question it intensely. That's what freedom is. You you still have the freedom to do that if you wish to do that. At the moment, you can still do that. As I say, down the road, I really don't think you'll have the ability, because they'll nip you in the bud when they catch on that you're actually thinking for yourself. And that can be a dangerous, dangerous thing in the world that they're shaping around you today. Those at the top become very nasty, believe you me, uh, when the the fake society of peace and security that that they often project uh, is threatened at all from a source, even a great idea. That's what terrifies them more than anything else. All the other authorized areas which uh, they can clamp down on are often led by them, in fact, uh, to make you think that you really need uh, these organizations to keep you safe, that they actually create their own uh, problems. They put them out there. And they get lots of patches are available, and the techniques are perfect for creating them today. Perfect, in fact. But that's an old technique. Now, I'd like to say, too, remember, folks, that uh, I'm not sitting here just dishing out information for, for nothing. I have to live, too. I have to pay for all the websites I have, and I have to pay for all the other things you pay for along with the websites. And people seem to think I live in some kind of happy uh, mansion somewhere where I uh, uh, smoke a pipe and and drink brandy or something with a dinner jacket on and nothing is further from the truth. I have a lower standard of living than many of you out there. And I really do because what I get goes into what I do. And it's not a lot of money at all. So I really appreciate it for the learning you're getting, uh, and lots of folk are getting a lot of teaching, and they, 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 they write to me, but um, I really do need folk to help out. You can donate, remember, by buying uh, by either donating street donations by PayPal or cash or whatever, and you find it all at cuttingthroughmatrix.com as to how to do it, or you can buy the books I have out there. 
which I, where I go through different things and different techniques of control, they've always been used. And there's much more than just control in it. I show you how people think. I show you how you think. And I, sh- and I, I put a way, a, a way in there, too, of the writing that enables you to think as you're actually reading through it. So there's a lot in those particular books. So you can help me out, too, so I can tick along here, because I'm not really even ticking along right now. Now, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. And may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>